0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Des and Marco. Just before we get started, I have to give my apologies for Marco's audio quality as he is on vacation and did not bring the good microphone, which is very heavy, and instead just using some generic trash can buds,
1: Well, hello to you, Dez. Technically, no, I'm not on vacation. I am working from home. It's the final week of working from home for us, but I am not at, uh, at home this week. So there you go. No good, Michael, with me.
0: Just before we get started on today's episode, we have a lot of content to go through and it's very thematical. What does that mean? I had to Google it. It means that we're basing it around the best films which have been released in 2021 and the worst films released in 2021. And Marco and I will not be the judges of this. We are basing it on the now infamous Academy Awards and also the Razzies. Have you heard of them, Marco? No, I haven't. What's that? So it's actually a pretty long-standing tradition. I think it started 40 years ago in 1981. And essentially, there is this um, Golden Raspberry Award Foundation. And they honor the worst movies released in that sort of film cycle year. And some of them are hilarious. Do you know
1: any notable mentions from the past years?
0: My personal favorite notable mentions are the people who actually embrace the spirit of these awards. Very famously, Halle Berry, because she won an Oscar and a Razzie in the same year. And Razzie is the nickname for Golden Raspberry. She won the Oscar, I think, for Monsters Ball.
1: Which, winning a a Razzie and an Oscar on the same year, is like an actor's
0: grand slam. It's the dream. Yeah, I bet. Going back to Halle Berry, she won the Oscar for Monster's Ball, and she won the Razzie for the cinematic masterpiece that is Catwoman.
1: <laughs> wow. I haven't seen either, actually.
0: Uh, Monster's Ball is a very serious film. I can see why it won the Oscar, but it's not light-hearted cinema in any shape or form. Yeah, okay. And as we kind of alluded to, there have been some big events relating to this year's Academy Awards and the Razzies, which I shall elaborate on further. And uh, before we start, we always introduce our beers, and today is no exception to that rule. So, Marco, what are you drinking?
1: I'm in Italy right now, so I figured I have an Italian beer. So the one I've picked for this week is the Icnusa Non Filtrata. So Icnusa is a beer brewery from Sardinia from 1912. And way back, you used to find it only in Sardinia. It used to be, let's say, like a holiday beer because it meant that you were in Sardinia in a beach enjoying life. But now you can find them anywhere or at least anywhere in Italy. And they've gotten really, really popular. And recently they brought out like a new line of more hipsterish kind of beers. So the non-filtrata is, like the name suggests, an unfiltered beer so it's an unfiltered lager.
0: Fantastic.
1: What are you drinking?
0: It's a brewery we've already visited, or well, I've already visited, and it's a 71 brewing company. And this beer is meant to be a limited edition series, and it's called Sat by the Ocean, and it's a New England IPA style beer. It looks very summery. It looks very light. So I'm looking forward to it. Cheers. Great. Cheers. Just before we tackle the main subject of our podcast, I'd like to give a special shout out or dedicate this episode to a very special person. His name is Lewis, and he is sadly unable to listen to this in person anymore. I would just like to say that he is a fantastic person, and I'm glad that he's actually listened to our podcast in the past. On to cheerier things. I would uh, like to start off this episode by briefly explaining how we're gonna tackle this. First things first, the Academy Awards have recently happened. Our recording schedule is a bit vague, but they're still relatively recent. We're not gonna go through all the various categories. I would recommend watching a YouTube video which is only nine minutes and 46 seconds long, A for a laugh, and B for a really good introduction into what I think about the Oscars this year specifically. (laughs) Yeah. The video is from Screen Junkies, and it's part of the Honest Trailer series, which in and of itself are usually very funny. Have you seen the video about the Oscars 2022, Marco? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious, and it's got some amazing quotes. One of the introduction lines, which is very true, is This is the award show no one watches, honoring the films barely anyone has seen. (laughs)
1: yeah but i have to say something about that because due to pandemic lockdowns and so on a lot of the films are available or were launched directly on streaming platforms so they were very accessible this year compared to previous years
0: completely agree and i've also noticed post-pandemic there's been a sudden flood of, like, really good TV series and movies coming out now, which I think yeah. was just after the Oscar season, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. Previous years, you wouldn't necessarily, or at least me and you, wouldn't necessarily go see Oscar movies because we would be interested in other stuff. But, for instance, this year, when, we, when Dez and I decided to do this episode and we looked at the list of nominated films we noticed that a lot of them were we didn't have to go to the cinema for. So it was just a matter of, for instance, at least in my case, I watched one per evening for like a week and managed to get an idea of which films were nominated and what they were about.
0: One more quote from the YouTube video from Screen Junkies regarding the movie King Richard, and if anything shouts foreshadowing, this is it. And it goes... He might talk like Mike Tyson, but he sure doesn't fight like him. <laughs> Foreshadowing.
1: Uh, so we're not going to mention who the line was about and what who, who the actor is.
0: Well, I mentioned the movie, so anybody with right. two brain cells should be able to figure it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess we can go to the main categories. I mean, because nobody cares about like best original screenplay or whatever. Let's talk about Best Picture, because that's the main one.
0: Yes. A quick reminder of the nominations. So yeah. we had the film Belfast, which is in black and white. The film Don't Look Up. The Japanese movie Drive My Car. Yeah. Dune. King Richard. Foreshadowing. Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley, which is maybe, in my opinion, the outsider favorite. The Power of a Dog, which is a Western movie. And then West Side Story, which is not a Western movie, but is a retelling of a classic musical.
1: It's not that West. Oh, and
0: sorry, and Coda.
1: Yeah, and Coda won the Oscar for best movie. It was pretty good. I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. I don't know if you've watched it,
0: though. I've watched half of it. Yeah, the first half's great. <laughs> How Like, what happened to the second half? Uh, time. I had to go to bed. <laughs>
1: So CODA itself stands for Child of Deaf Adults, which really confused me because CODA in Italian means tail. So I was like, what the, what does this mean? And then I found out that it was an acronym. The movie itself is about this 17-year-old girl, like the title suggests, is the child of deaf adults. She's the only non-deaf person in her family, which is made up of her parents and her older brother, and they run a fishing business. And so growing up, she's always been the, like the family has always relied heavily on her to be able to translate from speech to sign language to help her family out. But she has a dream. And so her dream is to sing. And she's a very talented singer. And she meets this high school professor that coaches her to get into music school. Typical Oscar movie, as in very much aimed at the academy. The film makes you laugh. The film makes you think. It makes you cry. There's, you know, there's emotions in there. I quite liked it. It's pretty lighthearted. I think it portrays very well the difficulties of being deaf in a world like ours. And there is one scene, I don't know if you've managed to see it, but there's one scene, I guess, towards the end, where she performs in her school play or performs in the musical or whatever. And it shows that scene from her parents point of view so it's completely silent and you see like a person on stage singing and it's i i thought that scene was really really powerful but and that was for me the highlight but overall very like feel good movie i liked it the guy that plays the girl's father troy Kotsur. he actually won the oscar for best actor in a sporting role no i i thought it deservedly won won the oscar Have you seen any of the others? Like, have you seen Belfast?
0: I have seen Belfast.
1: Oh, is it good? Because I actually wanted to see that one, but I haven't.
0: It is a good movie. And this is the kind of movie that my parents would love. Okay. In the sense that it is set in the sort of 60s, 70s, during the troubles in Northern Ireland, you know, between the Catholics and the Protestants. It kind of highlights the differences between a child's vision of the world around them and the adult view of the world around them where the adults obviously realize that maybe there isn't a future for their kids in in Belfast. And Belfast is portrayed beautifully. I think it makes it look like a much nicer city or a much more alive city than it actually is. Because I've been there a few times and it's not great, but hey-ho. I don't mean that as an offense, but it is a good movie. And it's that kind of coming-of-age movie where a child is growing up in, in yeah. these surroundings and... Uh, and it centers on whether they should move to the UK for a better life or stay in Belfast.
1: But Belfast is part of the UK, it does? <laughs> I
0: agree, but this is during the Troubles. When
1: uh... I'm joking, and it's got the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. And this time, like according to to the reviews I read, this time he's actually acting.
0: Yes, I think he might be like Robert Pattinson, who unfortunately was typecast as a terrible actor because he was in a terrible movie. Yeah, but he's actually pretty good.
1: I just saw the trailer and it brought me back, like hearing that accent brought me back to when I was living in Ireland. So I, 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 that's the main reason why I want to see it. But moving on, then we have Don't Look Up, which I think we talked about briefly in a previous episode. But
0: I think we edited that bit out. We had a discussion of whether we oh, should okay. have included it. Was it was terrible.
1: You know? <laughs> um, I was very surprised to see this movie nominated for Best Picture because for me, it was not Best picture material as in it's a fine movie it's totally not about trump's america where the president is ignoring what scientists are saying and it's totally not about climate change i don't know it had a good cast it was a fun movie to watch but no way
0: this is oscar material i i completely agree i thought the whole premise of the movie was maybe a side not side quest but not a main theme, if that makes any sense. It was more like a secondary theme, which was quite interesting and stretched into a movie.
1: Yeah, I think so as well. I don't know. I I liked it, but I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't watch it again. And two, I would not say it's Oscar.
0: I agree. I liked it because it was on Netflix and I was at home and it was okay to watch. Yeah, it's fun. If I'd paid money to go see it in a cinema, I'd, I'm not so sure.
1: Yeah, I would not have paid. Like, this is a movie that I would not have paid to see. Next up is Drive My Car, which is a Japanese movie based off of a Murakami short story. Have you seen it?
0: No, I haven't. And I don't think I ever will because it's, it really sounds like a very artsy movie, as in it's about a guy driving from A to B and the stories that they tell each other on that drive.
1: Uh, Kind of. So I actually saw it the other day. It's a bit of a snooze fest because it's three hours and it's three hours where like it's a lot of dialogue so the story is this guy is a a theater actor and he has a little accident and he can't see very well and so and he's always practicing his lines in the car like with the with a tape and he's hired by a company or by a by a theater to direct and possibly act in in this one play and like in his contract he cannot drive his car so they hire a driver for him which surprise surprise drives his car and um yeah so it's like kind of like how this guy also needs to cope with the death of his wife. And there was some history of infidelity there. And how his relationship with the driver, which is very like professional at the beginning. And then it grows into something more. It's actually pretty interesting. It's just really slow. But the highlight for me, by far, is the red 1980s sub 900 that is just gorgeous. And it's kind of... I would love to have that car.
0: Which surprises me, because it's a Japanese movie and the Japanese are usually quite skeptical of foreign-made cars, especially in when that's when that sub was made. To see it so center stage is was eye-catching. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And the car actually really stands out in the streets of Japan, because they're all you know, you get to see those like white boxy Japanese cars and then You see this, like, 1980s sports car, which which looks awesome.
0: Good movie.
1: Really slow, though.
0: One thing to mention, though, and I think we can give it away. It's the only international film which made the overall nomination for Best Picture. Mm -hmm. And as such, it was pretty much a a no-brainer, but it also won International Feature Film.
1: Yeah, exactly. And actually, out of the... just sidestepping a little bit one of the other international films that was nominated was the hand of God which is an Italian one which I'm actually really looking forward to watch I think it's on one of the streaming platforms I might be Netflix but I might be mistaken and that's basically another like coming of age story of like growing up in Naples the in the years where Maradona went uh, to play
0: yeah hand of God obviously referring to the famous goal by Maradona against England In the 1982 World Cup? No, 1986 World Cup. Speaking of really long movies, also Dune was... uh... But Dune wasn't that long. Was it not? It felt so long. That's why it didn't win the Oscar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Premise. I, I did see it twice on the same flight. But I was like half asleep. So I was trying to sleep. And it's actually, I think it's a really good movie for sleeping because it's very like, even the action scenes are fairly quiet and it's very like slow. And I don't know, like, I'm really looking forward to the second part. I think it's going to be just two parts, right?
0: I think the second part is going to be the second half of the first book. Whether it's successful enough to explore further, I don't know.
1: Okay. But one thing. You talked about this one in a previous episode, for sure. But my opinion, because now I've seen it, I have to give kudos to Denis Villeneuve, the director, because he can build worlds like very few people. Blade Runner 2049 looked gorgeous. This one looks even better. It's just a very pretty film to look at. And I know that there's a lot of lore, because the book gives you a lot to work with, but it just looks incredible.
0: And in recognition of that dune didn't win any of the prestigious oscars like best actor best feature film best director or whatever but it won a heap of technical awards such as best sound editing i think or best video and i can't remember exactly but it has won quite a few oscars for its technical merits which as you said were phenomenal it's a very pretty movie to watch
1: yeah it's really really good i don't know i didn't quite get into the story Possibly because I was half asleep, but certainly the movie didn't help me being more awake. But looking forward to actually understanding what happens in the next movie. Moving on, next up we have King Richard, which Des mentioned earlier. So this is the story of Richard Williams, the father of Serena and Venus Williams, two of the best, if not the best, tennis players ever. And you've seen this one? No. (laughs) okay i've seen it it's actually pretty good i liked it my girlfriend is really into tennis so as as a result i'm getting into tennis so it was interesting to hear or to see the story of how these two tennis players became who they are and that was basically by being the the daughters of this insane man (laughs) who is obsessed with like Training them the way that he wants them to be trained, obsessed with not having them play any junior tournaments because they had to be they had to play only when they were ready and not a second before. And he didn't want to expose like he was overly protective of them as in not wanting to expose them to too much pressure. There are like comparisons of with like Jennifer Capriati, who was like supposed to be uh, the rising star of tennis and then she kind of got lost. Because of all all the pressure, and also a little wink to the academy of like what it's like to play tennis in a you know a white elitist sport, and being from Compton, so there's also like kind of like the the little racial awareness uh, theme there. So no, overall, pretty good. I, I I enjoyed it, and I can see why Will Smith won the Oscar for it.
0: But no spoilers, please.
1: No, no, no. <laughs> um, no. Then let's let's move on. Licorice pizza. Have you seen? No. <laughs> Me neither. We can skip it. <laughs>
0: Nightmare Alley. This one I want to see. This one looks amazing. And um, Guillermo del Toro has done some very good movies. He won awards for The Shape of Water. He's obsessed with monsters making out with people. This one is...
1: Oh, is this the one about the carnies?
0: I think so. Okay. Yes, it's like a noir movie. And it's um, it looks stylistically beautiful. It's got that very noir i mentioned but like dark aesthetic like la confidential set in that sort of golden post-war period where the movies were coming alive and you got the fluorescent bulbs and it's it looks beautiful the the costumes are amazing and i think it won a an oscar for that Uh, and the cast is also really good it's got like bradley cooper who you can't recognize as bradley cooper Willem Dafoe Kate Blanchett Tony Collette and these are kind of actors which are known for being good actors if yeah. that makes any sense and it's also got Ron Perlman who is in every Guillermo del Toro movie whether it's a cameo or or an actual part which I find quite funny
1: oh really okay I don't know um, just a little a little thing have you heard the the rumor about Willem Dafoe no okay <laughs> you're gonna love this a friend of mine told me the other day and i actually googled it and it's on the internet so it must be true so uh, so he's in the movie called antichrist or he will be in the movie called antichrist whatever there's a movie called antichrist and he's in it i don't know if it's out yet or not and there's like a full nude scene of him and apparently he required a body double for his private parts because his own were too big to the point that they're scary. (laughs) (laughs) I swear. So they had to... The director, Lars von Trier, had to hire a male porn star just so that he could play Willem Dafoe's genitals because they had to take out the the actual scenes of him because... (laughs) allegedly it's enormous
0: (laughs) and the funny thing is the the male porn stars are smaller than his
1: yeah imagine being the guy who's cast because they needed a smaller penis
0: (laughs) oh my god that's like a like a, a braggy you know a humble brag yeah, exactly. Oh, man.
1: But I, I don't know. When they, when I heard this one, I was just laughing. But good for him. And anyway, back to Nightmare Alley.
0: Yeah, it's a, a detective noir movie. I personally thought that this might have been the successful outsider at this year's awards because it doesn't have the big budget of the other ones. Yeah. But I think it punched well above its weight in terms of what it achieved. But unfortunately, no, it did not happen.
1: Finally, the last two movies, The Power of the Dog with Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, Have you seen that one? That one's on Netflix.
0: I haven't watched it yet. I'll be honest with you. When I found out it was a Western movie and a serious Western movie dealing with the same old tropes, if you will, of like an over-dominant person and and cruelty, I was like, nah, I'm not sure I want to watch this. Yeah. Much like the video from the Honest Trailers had envisaged or warned yeah so it won
1: i think best director with jane campion but des i've seen it it's a snooze fest it's so boring (laughs) at least i found it really boring like it's two hours long but it feels like 12 hours long benedict cumberbatch plays this charismatic dominant cowboy in a in a household where people are getting a little bit more, say, civilized, and cowboys are a dying breed. He just goes completely against the status. And yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of boring. Despite there being like a pretty good cast, like himself, Kirsten Dunst, like there's people that you've seen before. But no, I would not watch this one again. I was bored out of my mind. Finally, we have the last Best movie nominee was West Side Story, which
0: I don't know if you've seen. I've not seen it, and to be honest with you, I'm familiar with the story of West Side Story. I remember watching the original back in the made back in the seventies. I think I'm not entirely sure. However, I think in recent history, with the exception of maybe La La Land, which was like a Oscar darling when it came out in 2017, West Side Story. Cats, I think these were all expected to be huge hits, and they were all box office bombs. Yeah, Cats was terrible. Cats was terrible, and I don't think West Side Story has been particularly well-received, especially from the public. The themes in it are still current today because it's um, two inner-city gangs from different racial backgrounds who are fighting it out, and Romeo and Juliet-style love story, lovers on opposite sides of these gangs. I don't know. I think... I don't want to say the era of the musical is over, but these recent rehashes such as Cats and and West Side Story, they really haven't hit the mark.
1: I don't know. I haven't seen it because I still remember when you and I were kids and Moulin Rouge came out. And I don't know if you if you know where I'm getting to, but um, when Moulin Rouge came out and you had seen it and I had it and I was like, but it's a musical, it's garbage. And, and your answer was like, you don't like it because you don't know anything about music or love. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are 15 years later and I still remember. So apparently I'm not worthy of musicals.
0: <laughs> okay. That was a brief rundown of all the nominees and the winner, which was Coda, for Best Movie. What do you think this year's lineup was like? Did you agree with that selection of movies? Kinda,
1: yeah. The truth is, there weren't many movies out in general. I mean, apart from those, there were a couple of superhero ones, a James Bond one, and that was pretty much it. Like There wasn't much to choose from, and I think maybe these are the best ones, or at least the ones that I've seen. I think except for Don't Look Up they were all Oscar movies. They tackled Oscar movie themes and some were clearly aimed at the Academy. But yeah, I would say I would say so. But the truth is
0: I don't think 2021 was a good year for movies. You're right. It wasn't a good year for movies, but this may have been the Academy Award with the highest audience ever, especially after the event. <gasps> Why is that, Des? This? this is a great segue into looking at the nomination for Best Actor in a Leading Role.
1: <gasps> is this what you were foreshadowing the whole episode?
0: Possibly. Anyway, you must have been living underneath a rock if you haven't seen at least one meme featuring Chris Rock, who was the host of this year's Academy Awards, and Will Smith. We need to address this, and you can call it the slap, slapgate, or my personal favorite, men in slap. <laughs> but if you haven't seen it, in what can only be described as a moment of madness, Will Smith went on stage unscripted and slapped Chris Rock full on in the face.
1: Yeah, so Chris Rock was making, I mean, he was doing a stand-up bit. He made a joke about Jada Jada Pinkett Smith so will smith's wife about her I, I, like she's got a like she's bald basically
0: i think we need to clarify here so she's got very mild alopecia which is a condition where you have some hair loss but hers was kind of thinning of hair not actual full-on hair loss and she sported a new haircut which was basically she shaved her head chris rock wasn't aware of this he just saw her with no hair and he made a joke referencing G.I. Jane, the movie with Demi Moore, which is what, 30 years old, where she plays this.
1: Yeah, where she shaves her hair.
0: Exactly. There's a scene where she shaves her hair. It's a bit of an old reference, to be honest with you. Everybody laughed. Will Smith laughed. The camera was on Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And he was laughing away like everyone else. But Jada Pinkett Smith wasn't laughing. She kind of did that straightening up in the chair and rolling her eyes a little bit. And then the camera pans to Chris Rock. And we don't know what happened between Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith in those critical seconds. And we can just see Chris Rock kind of soaking in the response to the joke, which was, you know, mildly positive like everything else. And then Will Smith just walks on like with intent, like with purpose. And he approaches Chris Rock. Yeah, and slaps him hard. Super hard. And he goes back as if nothing happened. And Chris Rock is kind of a bit, like, in shock and was just repeating, wow, oh, wow. At this point, I can't remember the exact chronology, but Will Smith makes a comment about, leave my wife's name out of your mouth. And Chris Rock kind of just retaliates and says, whoa, dude, like, it's just a joke. Will Smith reiterates with more expletives, keep my wife's name out of your beep mouth. Quite aggressively.
1: Yeah, really angry. I think it was caught by, like, the Japanese TV. Really? Like, it wasn't shown during the broadcast, but Japanese TV cameras caught the actual words that Will Smith had used. But go on, sorry.
0: At this point, I personally think Chris Rock did a really good job. Because you can kind of see for a split second he was thinking about doubling down on on his insults on, like, you know, ripping it out of Will Smith. And I don't know if someone spoke into the earpiece and said, don't do it. Or if he was just being professional and moved on. He had great insight into the moment because he was very much like, this is going to be a moment which is going to be relived for a long time. And he was right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, thoughts, Marco?
1: Okay. Like, I was reading up on it a little bit. I just saw the episode itself. Um, like, I mean, it was all over the internet, but uh, actually it was in the news even. But I don't know, like there's there's theories that it might have been staged. Because Chris Rock, like he gets like slapped hard across his face and he doesn't react. No. Like he just doesn't even like fall down or whatever. He just kind of like takes the hit and then gets up and, and then like st- sit like stands up straight again. It's It was kind of weird.
0: I didn't know this, but apparently will smith and jada pinkett smith have a very unorthodox relationship and i think they describe it as open relationship but the internet says that it's open one way
1: yeah because there was like a, a a couple of years ago there was the famous let's say interview where she admitted to i think infidelity and there's the famous photo of will smith crying So Will Smith now is on a mission to become the most memeable person in the world.
0: Anyway, if we're going to look at the fallout of this event, personally, I think Hollywood is so hypocritical when it comes to violence on stage, which is hilarious. Obviously, they don't condone any form of violence. And here is one of their A-listers, one of the most bankable film actors on the planet. Who hadn't won an award yet at this point, who goes on stage, unscripted, and slaps someone just because he didn't agree with what he said. And moments later, Hollywood is giving this guy a standing ovation. Yeah. You know, if I would if that was anybody else from the public.
1: Yeah, a standing ovation for playing the role of a man who doesn't fight. I know, right? <laughs> that was pretty funny. It was a fun Oscar.
0: Yes, definitely memorable. Personally, looking at the nominees for Best Actor, and I'll quickly go through them. Uh, Will Smith for King Richard, who won the award. And I think maybe given the selection, I think he deserved it. Yeah. Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos. I've watched that movie. It's terrible. It's another Snoop's fest. I
1: started watching it, but in fairness, that day, I was really tired and a little bit hungover, and I completely fell asleep. It was a really good nap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog. Yeah. He's a good actor, so I'm not surprised.
1: And in fairness, no, he was good. Yeah.
0: Andrew Garfield, who I personally think is the actor of 2021 because he was involved in Tick, Tick, Boom, which was a very successful movie. And he got this nomination for best actor. He was in the movie with Jessica Chastain, who, spoiler alert, was the best actress in a leading role or female actor in the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, And he was in that movie as well. And he was also in the latest Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, as reprising the role of the Spider-Man, which he had done in his uh, youth. And it was such a fun movie that I think everyone respected him for being a good Spider-Man in a bad Spider-Man movie.
1: I thought his Spider-Man movies were okay, actually. Like, I didn't think they were bad. But anyway, uh, moving on. And then finally, Denzel Washington was nominated for Best Actor for The Tragedy of Macbeth. And then in the actress in a leading role, you mentioned Jessica Chastain winning for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And actually, this one, I was a little bit confused because recently I'm getting a lot of ads for the latest Jessica Chastain movie, which is an action flick. So I kind of connected the two things. I was like, okay, did she get nominated for an action movie? How's that possible? But no. Uh, she she won for another one. Finally, we had uh, Olivia Colman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman, again, for being the Ricardos, Snoozefest, and Kirsten Stewart with uh, Spencer. It's good to see the, the actors from Twilight actually are actually good actors instead of, like you mentioned before, the tropes.
0: Just a side note about Kirsten Stewart. Um, she plays the... Um, in the movie Spencer, which is about... Lady D. Yes, correct. But there's a parallel to this movie called Diana the Musical, which I will get into when we come to the Razzies.
1: Well, let's get to the Razzies, because all the other categories, frankly, who cares about them?
0: Okay, so the Razzies, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, honour the most terrible performances of the year. And um, in the worst picture category... Our movies, which I actually found more entertaining than the Academy ones. But anyway, we have Diana the Musical, the Netflix version, which makes me think there's other versions, which I really want to find.
1: Okay, so we could do an episode about all the Diana musicals out there. But no, I haven't seen it. Have you?
0: I watched the first bit, but more out of like morbid curiosity, because Diana is a serious figure who is very much loved for her charity work and representing grace in the the face of adversity. And then they made like a really cheesy musical out of it.
1: And then the other nominees were Infinite, which I know nothing about. Karen, which I know nothing about. (laughs) Space Jam, A New Legacy, which is the sequel or remake of the original space jam movie with michael jordan but this one has lebron james in it and the woman in the window i haven't seen a single one of these to be honest
0: no i haven't to be honest they're all pretty terrible but the category is funny and um, diana the musical pretty much made a clean sweep of all the terrible awards including worst actress worst supporting actress worst director and worst screenplay. (laughs) Wow. I think maybe you should watch it to learn how not to make a movie or how to be tone deaf to how people interpret a character who was a real person as well. So I think it's just terrible.
1: Yeah, I think maybe playing a real person, it's kind of easy because you know how that real person is. There's one category in the Razzies that is
0: very amusing, which I don't know if they do it every year or just this year. No, it was done this year only. And there's news and controversy regarding this as well. So, again, this is not a serious award. And this year they created a new category specific for 2021. And it was the worst performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie.
1: (laughs) Because apparently there's enough Bruce Willis movies to create a category out of this.
0: These movies are all essentially straight to video Movies. They're like B-list movies. And some rumors had been circulating about Bruce Willis. People said he didn't care anymore. People said he was just trying to make as much money as possible. And unfortunately, these movies have added fuel to that fire. So in the 2021 arc, he released six movies. Or there were six movies released with his name on him and his face on the front poster. And the movies are Cosmic Sin, which has an average of 2.5 on IMDb. (laughs) Out of 10, that is. Pex, 3.1 on IMDb. Out of Death, 3.2. Fortress, 3.2. Deadlock, 3.4. Survivor Game, 4.2. And Midnight in the Switchgrass. They're all terrible movies, all of them scoring essentially under 5 on IMDb.
1: Yeah, I think you, if you want them all up, they don't get to 10.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's often in these movies, sometimes for minutes basically they were alluding to the fact that bruce willis is such a bankable name who most people will recognize for his great movies such as the Die Hard trilogy the sixth sense or whatever and they're saying that his legacy is being diluted because he just released a whole heap of terrible movies shortly after this announcement the bruce willis estate or his family or i don't know how to categorize all the people who form part of his family unit
1: yeah i think it was his daughter Rumor.
0: Yeah, but it was a message made by, like, every single person in his life, including, like, Demi Moore.
1: So it wasn't a rumor from rumor?
0: No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, they announced that he is retiring from acting because he has been diagnosed with aphasia, which is a medical condition which usually comes secondary to some form of brain trauma, like strokes or um, dementia or that sort of thing, which means he has an inability to either comprehend or produce words. So he's finding it difficult to talk, essentially, or understand the world around him, which is sad. Yeah, for sure. It kind of makes people think that maybe he did do these roles to basically just do as much as possible before he retired. Yeah. Anyway, people then started complaining about the award, saying it was out of touch and a bit insulting in light of new information. At first, the Razzie Academy defended their decision, stating that whoever was in charge of his career should have considered his legacy before agreeing to make these movies. Yeah. But they later relented and officially withdrew in view of the information about his diagnosis.
1: Pretty sensible. I guess, you know, we could end the episode by talking about some of Bruce Willis's best movies because he's been in a bunch of really good ones. And it'll be sad not to see him around anymore. I completely agree. So like, what are your like, top two or like, what, what's your favorite
0: Bruce Willis movie? My favorite is obviously Die Hard. But my second favorite is Hudson Hook. I don't know it. Oh man, he plays the cool cat burglar who just comes out of prison and he was basically arrested in the 80s, but gets released in the 90s. And it's supposed to be, oh my God, I don't understand this new modern world. You know, what's playing Nintendo or whatever. And he kind of has to do heists because of a, the, the plot line. And it's a film which has him and Amy McDowell. Okay. Andy McDowell. Oh, Andy McDowell. Sorry, I sound corrected. And uh, anyway, the plot revolves a lot about Italy as well, because he has to hunt down artifacts of Leonardo da Vinci, who apparently had designed a machine which can turn any metal into gold. Oh, okay. This criminal organization holds him essentially ransom so to speak saying you're the best cat burglar around steal these artifacts or else and it's funny
1: nice all right okay for me and here it's gonna be controversial i'm gonna say Die Hard three for me is the best one it's the one where he's against the the brother of hans gruber who dies in the first one and he's played by german irons and it's just like it's all riddles and things and they have to like solve mysteries. It's and
0: Yeah, it's really good.
1: He partners up with uh Samuel L. Jackson. And also, I mean, Bruce Willis, you have to mention Pulp Fiction. That is one of the best movies ever. Oh. Yeah,
0: that was incredible. But he has I don't wanna say a ton, but there's a lot of really good movies in which Bruce Willis has acted. And um it will be sad to see him go and at time of writing he says he's retired these things are very flexible and i guess it depends on how his medical condition progresses or not yeah but on that note i think we can have a final toast to bruce willis whilst we describe our beers marco how was yours uh so i had
1: the unfiltered ignusa beer from sardinia It's a lager. I mean, that's fine. I I was, I would not be able to tell the difference between this and like a Heineken. So I don't know, middle of the middle of the road, three out of a six pack, slightly fruity, slightly bitter, but it's. I mean, it's just a normal beer.
0: How about you? Quick reminder, my beer is called Sat by the Ocean by 71 Brewing Company. It's a New England style IPA. And I have to admit that they actually nailed the name of the beer because it's a beer which is kind of tangy just a little bit, very much a New England IPA, but it's got those summery notes which are quite fruity. So you can imagine yourself drinking this by the beach with the seagulls in the background and it tastes really good. Like it takes me to that place by the beach, drinking beers. So I'm actually going to score this quite highly. I'm going to give it a four out of a six pack because it's going down really, really yeah. well.
1: Nice. And you said you've been to their brewery.
0: No, I haven't. I've had the beer before. Oh, okay. That's what you meant. Because it's the second time we look at their beers. All
1: right, this. so I think it's time to call it a day. And yeah, we've talked about some of the movies that were nominated for the Oscars, which came and went, and as well as talking about the anti-Oscars, the Razzie Awards. So gave us an opportunity to talk about some movies, some good, some bad, some so-so. Yeah, hopefully 2022 will be a better year for movies because 2021 definitely wasn't. And on that note, Des,
0: I'll speak to you next time. See you next time, guys.
1: It felt so long.
0: That's what she said. (laughs) Michael. Michael. Michael, please.